0: Hi, I'm Jayan Sriram and welcome to In Focus, the Hindu's Analysis Podcast. Thanks for joining us. This is the daily COVID update show. Uh, this is our 17th episode and we are recording on Monday, the 6th of April. Once again, we have uh, several things to get through, so I've made a topic list up at the start. Uh, To provide a helpful guide, uh, both for our listeners as well as for our participants today, that is uh, Suhasni Haider, National Editor, uh, Jacob Koshi, Deputy Science Editor. So, the topics uh, basically from the start that's uh, hydroxychloroquine, what's happening with that in terms of uh, India exporting to other countries, and what US President Donald Trump uh, has asked for some. Uh, hydroxychloroquine to be uh, given to the US. Uh, we move on then to Health Ministry, uh, the numbers and percentages announced by the Health Ministry today about COVID-19 in India. Uh, an interesting story about uh, tigers and COVID-19. And lastly, a broad topic, are we preparing for mass testing um, in the South Korea style. So right, uh, guys, um, thanks for coming on the show once again. Uh, so, hasni let's uh, start with the hydroxychloroquine issue.
1: Hi, Jan. For short, it's called HCQ, and it's essentially an anti-malaria drug. Um, But ever since uh, last month, when uh, the U.S. president himself said that it was what he called a game-changer drug that could be used along with an antibiotic called azithromycin um, uh, to show results amongst uh, coronavirus patients, we've seen the demand for this drug really rise. Uh, Now, what happened was uh, on March 25th, uh, the government actually put out a notification saying uh, it wanted to ban the exports of HCQ, um, but not entirely. It made certain exceptions, uh, orders that had already been passed for the HCQ, uh, as well as uh, manufacturing orders that were that had taken place inside SEZs, special economic zones, or finally, um, HCQ supplies that had been determined by the Ministry of External Affairs as needed for humanitarian needs of one of the countries that was demanding it. What was interesting is that uh, on April 4th, the Director General of Foreign Trade actually changed that notification and said, no more exceptions. So we're now in the situation where the government has only 48 hours ago said there will be no exports under any circumstances of HCQ. But over the weekend, we have seen several leaders apparently call up or several governments get in touch with the indian government most notably u.s president donald trump and now brazilian president uh, Herr, uh bolsonaro both of whom who have said very publicly that they have requested prime minister modi to remove the the ban on the export and to consider their orders in particular now both the us and brazil are actually amongst countries that had placed advance orders we understand Brazil had even paid up for a lot of those orders of HCQ. Uh, And uh, we understand that there could be as many as 30 countries in all that are requesting India to revoke the ban. So the question is going to be, is India going to revoke that ban just 48 hours after they put it in place? Uh, Certainly, there are many things to consider on both sides. Uh, and, And, you know, the industry itself is saying we do have enough stocks for the moment and we can manage both the internal demand as well as the buffer required as well as the external demand. Uh, But there are enough advocacy groups that are pointing out that India is and Jacob's going to tell you a little bit about the numbers. But uh, they are pointing out that if there is some kind of escalation in cases, and remember, HCQ is being used not only as a possible treatment line, but it's also being seen as a prophylaxis is given to health workers who are, uh, who are dealing with coronavirus patients, that the demand might suddenly spike, in which case India might face a shortage, even though it is the biggest uh, manufacturer in the world. Uh, so uh, a tough situation, Jayant, for the government. We understand there've been two meetings already of the Empowered Committee uh, that is looking into just how much India needs to keep in terms of its own buffer stocks. Uh, but it's not going to be an easy decision if it does decide to revoke them. We did speak to Ministry of External Affairs officials. They want to say nothing officially yet, but they are they are saying they are hopeful that the government will reconsider that ban.
0: Okay, um, this is something I'll take up with Jacob perhaps. But I did kind of hear that H C Q was uh, cheap and easy to produce again. But Swasni, um, just can we just get to the calibrated uh, lockdown um, issue? What what is it that the Prime Minister said today that was actually different from? um the staggered lockdown strategy that he discussed with uh, the chief ministers last week
1: um well gent we're we're now in um in a sort of uh, the the kind of lead up to the end of the first announcement uh, of the lockdown remember uh, in the beginning the government said that the lockdown is until april 14 so we're in the last week of that and in the next couple of days we'll know for sure whether the government plans to lift the lockdown in what protocol it is going to lift that lockdown as well. Uh, But ahead of that, what is interesting is that Prime Minister Narendra Modi met with his cabinet, the first virtual cabinet meeting, if you like, video conferencing with them, uh, in which he spoke about the need to get as much feedback as possible on how the lockdown is going. And what are the suggestions in terms of um, uh, sort of uh, uh, rolling back the lockdown? Now, we know that it is not going to be one single shot that uh after the 14th and the 15th we are still not going to see all restrictions lifted but there is going to be a kind of staggering of them so the government wants to see first what are the essential services that can be expanded to take in some of the not so essential services but needed services what are things that can make people a little more comfortable um, maybe help the the people who are out there particularly the migrant labor uh, farmers, people who have not been able to sell their produce, uh, that sort of thing. I think after that is, uh, you know, from what we understand of how the cabinet meeting went, they will talk about opening other things, more shops, perhaps more other um, outlets until they finally get to uh, the the things that really are not as required. And uh, as we've been saying all along, it is going to go perhaps in reverse order. In a much more slow pace than it was in terms of how the lockdown came in, but you know, in reverse order to what was put in into place, you know, Section 144 at some point, and then of course uh, the the malls and the cinema theatres as well. But for the moment, what we understand is that the prime minister has asked for feedback, and a final decision is likely only to happen later this week.
0: Okay, that's something that we would normally just spend more time on, but we have, as I said, lots of topics to move on to today. Uh, Jacob, uh, just just on the HCQ thing, actually the question that I wanted to ask, besides the whether it's uh, cheap to produce or not, is uh, have we in India determined ourselves whether it's an effective treatment? Uh, I hear that there are some tests going on about, uh, with that. Uh, so the
2: Indian Council for Medical Research has also uh, recommended the uh, hydroxychloroquine and azithromycin combination in very specific uh in a very specific cohort again there are no india-based studies on this they are relying on medical ret- literature and medical evidence that has uh, uh that abound that that already exists in other countries and again very surprisingly uh what has been endorsed for india is for healthcare workers and the icmr says that this it is going to s- Uh, look at the evidence that is collected from healthcare workers now to to determine whether it is a safe uh, combination or not. So, in a sense, it's a kind of a trial uh, that, you know, the healthcare workers in India are kind of uh, experimenting uh, themselves with to uh, determine the efficacy of it. But given that, you know, this is an emergency situation, there are different protocols in, you know, what is considered a safe kind of... uh, uh, protocol for testing the efficacy of a combination there are different different countries are trying out different kinds of uh, combinations of efficacy trials among healthcare workers among patients so it is only the cumulative information and knowledge that comes out from several trials all over the world that you know this can its effectiveness can uh, really be tested
0: okay right so jacob just before that small detour i wanted to actually ask you about uh the the numbers released by the health ministry today some interesting percentages. Uh, what are the highlights? What can we read into them?
2: So the basic uh, highlight is that there is a three fourth of those uh, of the of the COVID patients are male seventy six percent and twenty four percent female. Now uh, earlier this week we were told that you know forty percent forty seven percent are below forty years and. Uh, Nearly a third are between the forty to sixty group. Now, interestingly, uh, the sixty and above group is only nineteen percent, and we've always, I mean, the general consensus is that you know it is this group that's very vulnerable. However, today the ICMR has actually released data on mortality, and uh, it shows that sixty-three percent of the deaths were among elderly people. Now, they define elderly as sixty and above, and there is no granular detail on this sixty to seventy or the eighty plus. Mo- many Countries have been reporting their mortality of the 80 pluses and the 70 pluses. Most, most significantly to emphasize that, you know, it is this category that is most vulnerable to deaths, but we don't have such a breakup. But what is, in you know, slightly re- reassuring is that only 7% of the deaths in India were below 40 years. 30% of the deaths are reported between people 40 to 60 years. And, you know, 86% of the death cases have, you know, have exhibited some kind of pre-existing health problems like, you know, diabetes or chronic kidney issues, etc. So that was, that again is welcome kind of information from the health ministry. And uh, we just hope that, you know, going ahead, they're even more transparent with statistics like this that get, that help us get a full sense of the kind of, uh, uh, the, the, the demographic profile of the challenge that we face in India.
0: Uh, this is the first time they are releasing statistics of this nature?
2: Yes, of the death, uh, of the deaths in India, this is the first time. Right. But, you know, last week on Saturday is when they released the uh, the age profile of, you know, of, of the patients.
0: Okay. Uh, and they, uh, on a daily basis, they release some kind of statistics on testing, right? Uh, I, kn- I know that we discussed this kind of on the podcast a lot but w- what are those statistics exactly you just can you just like uh, go over them one more time what is the what are those testing statistics that they put out so
2: in general the statistics the, the statistics are about the, the, the number of samples that are tested so I believe we have we are close to about 85,000 samples that have been tested and about what percentage of the samples come out positive now because more labs are under function more uh, you know many labs with high capacity are are priming to work 24/7 what we are seeing is that you know the number of tests done per day is increasing now we are nearly 10 to 15000 tests per day is um, you know is is what our average has been for the last uh, two or three days and what we are seeing is that the nearly 3% of those on average of those tests are coming out positive so this was kind of expected as experts have been consistently saying that you know the more you test the more likely that you will find positive percentages so to say so uh, and again the concentration is uh, more in certain states maharashtra kerala and uh, madhya pradesh continue to dominate the bulk of uh, you know the positive uh, tests that uh, that have been coming in but overall we are still away from full capacity. I mean, uh, today they have not really shared at, at, you know, what capacity of testing that we are closing, but I'm estimating it's somewhere between 40% of our capacity.
0: Okay, right. So we'll, we'll circle back to that again uh, toward the end. But um, just, just to quickly touch on one more uh, bit of reporting from the health ministry briefing that uh, I just came across. So now they say that India has gone from local transmission to... Putting this in parenthesis, large outbreak amenable to containment. Uh, That uh, that means that that's. I mean, what does that mean exactly?
2: Well, they've not really declared India as um, you know, you know, in stage three or in a community transmission. But earlier this week, they did uh, release a kind of plan wherein you know they've officially communicated how India is going to be managing. uh, an instance of a large outbreak. Now they are not really given numbers to define a large outbreak, but the large outbreak is when you know a, a tablighi uh, kind of cluster, you know, where, 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 a, where there's a congregation and a lot of cases are uh, attributed to this one source of infection. Now tablighi jamaat is not the only instance. There have been cases in Bhilwara which was which happened much, much, uh, which hap- was reported much earlier and. It is a cluster that has actually been contained, and it is seen as a model kind of containment strategy, so to say. So these are plan. These are th- these are procedures that are already being applied to uh, many clusters in the past. And the ICMR has just said that this is how we be going. We are going to be dealing with uh, instances of uh, very many cases coming forward. So in that sense, there is a kind of signal that, and as we just uh, discussed, you know the number of the percentage of positive cases are increasing as testing is increasing. And there is no really no real evidence in sight. We have again posted 700 odd cases today. It was 600 cases yesterday, 500 cases before that. Each of these were record daily highs for India. So there is really no end that we see in sight. So in in a sense, I see it as the ICMR gradually kind of preparing us for uh, you know the possibility of large outbreaks in several parts of the country, and how testing as well as our own uh, individual response to it is uh, going to change.
0: Okay, uh, like I said, I did I did mention in the intro uh, this thing about uh, tigers and the zoo. Perhaps we'll uh, perhaps we'll just we'll just touch on that uh, in in a bit. It, 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 so it was just that uh, there was a report from New uh, New York this morning that um, a tiger has been infected with COVID nineteen. And um, a a notice was sent out to all the zoos. Am I right?
2: Yeah. So basically, uh, I mean, there was this instance of, you know, a tiger called Nadia in the Bronx Zoo in New York City. And it's tested positive Mm. for COVID. And it is believed that, you know, the infection came from uh, uh, the tigers, uh, from the zookeeper, who was probably in close contact with the animal. And the uh, zookeeper was asymptomatic. So, and they noticed... uh, You know signs of an infection. You know the kind of labored breathing and cough. It is is very similar to what you see in humans too. But this has kind of uh, you know rattled the zoo authorities in India as well as the National Tiger Conservation Conservation Authority, which manages Project Tiger and is responsible for all matters tigers in India. Because India is now the highest has the highest population of tigers in the world. It is. Pride of place and nearly three thousand odd tigers. We are the we are supposed to be now the model example to the world of how to conserve the tiger. So any uh, reports of such infections in you know in the tiger is going to be uh, alarming to uh, you know authorities over here as well as our state uh, reserves. So there have been instructions given out to zoos as well as you know tiger reserves that you know there is the possibility of COVID. they have zoo um. Wardens and you know those who uh, those who interact closely with tigers have, uh, especially when they're treating dealing with a sick animal, have been told to wear protective equipment. They've been told to, uh, for instance, be very careful that you know uh, isolated animals, sick animals are isolated and kept away from you know from any any group or a herd, and uh, you know even their feed uh, also be monitored. Now this is all particularly difficult in a lockdown. You know when it is hard to uh, anyway getting hard to transport a lot of uh, material that you know even uh, these animals might need. But there is concern that the Indian tiger could also, like any other many other mammals, could also be susceptible.
0: Right, and uh, last but not least, Jacob, just uh, you had an interesting story today about one lab in Delhi um, uh, trying to introduce this concept of drive-through testing. Uh, that's one thing that, you know, South Korea became really famous for just, you know, g- testing, ha- g- making this process so, so much easier. And uh, along with that, there was also this report that in Adnakulam in Kerala, there's another kind of kiosk uh, testing center that um, that's going to be set up. So, you know, it's another instance of the fact that states are kind of taking the lead uh, on their own on this. Sometimes private companies are also stepping up. Uh, what can we say, wh- What do we know so far about the uh, Delhi uh, drive through center?
2: So the driver center, I mean, was as, you know, as uh, the CEO of the company that manages it, Dang's lab, it's a very famous pathology uh, labs network, you know, in North India particularly. So he told me that this was inspired by South Korea, but actually it is very different from the South Korean model. So in South Korea, the objective was to mass test anybody who's showing flu-like symptoms and to catch the disease. Catch the the traces of the disease in as many people as possible and isolate them. Somehow in India, it is uh, there is a there is a there is an intense social stigma that has now been associated with the, with the coronavirus, and there are so many instances of uh, of uh, people who have been quarantined or you know hospital workers or, or airline uh, workers who have been uh, kind of discriminated against, uh, you know, in their neighborhoods. So people are actually worried, wary of home collection, which is which was a service being offered by private labs, and because of this awareness, uh, this company uh, just kind of innovated and uh, and realized that there is potentially a market for people wanting to get tested for COVID but not wanting to let's say reveal, uh, you know, uh, set any alarm bells off in their neighborhoods. People were also concerned that you know the lab personnel who though they come in with with extremely highly protective gear, they might because they're travel traversing and dealing with vi- with the contagious virus and going to different localities, they too may pose a risk of infection to others. So to do with to minimize contact, minimize uh, exchange, you know they've innovated, they've borrowed the South Korean model. but however, unlike in South Korea, you need you need a doctor's prescription. Uh for COVID testing to actually uh, sign up for this drive through test over here, you need to you know enroll online, you need to pay all the money up front you need to uh, you need to ensure that you know the car that you're coming in you share the details of that car beforehand, and the whole process is a kind of twenty minute exercise in terms of how how you must approach the testing center, how the sample will be collected. so yes, there is some borrowing in those ideas. But uh, it reflects, I believe, uh, a different mentality. Only time will say whether this will be expanded in a more, uh, you know, in a, in a bigger way to expand the sheer scope of, uh, of testing. Kiosks as well as private sector stepping in, yes, because there is, the se- and there is a sense that this pandemic may be much bigger, especially if we were to enter in a, into a stage three, then it is really mitigation and, you know, rapid testing that really matters. It looks like we are still some of some time away from that, and I hope and sincerely hope that we really do not reach a stage like that.
0: Right. Uh, once again, I think we've managed to cover quite a lot of topics in this one podcast. Uh, Jacob, thanks once again for uh, joining me. We'll see, we'll speak to you again tomorrow, presumably. See you. Bye. Thanks, Jen.